Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. We're joined by co-host of The Brighter Side, Amber Nelson. Hey, y'all. What's up? <laughs> Hello. Hi. They're, they're Hi. doing great. And uh, and everyone's favorite defense attorney, Jim Pope. Hello. We were having a wonderful discussion before today's show. Uh, hedronormative. This is a term that was brought up uh, very regularly. Amber, you were telling a story about two fellas, both straight men, who had nothing but love for each other. Yeah. And it almost made you come to tears. No, it did make me come to tears. They were just two straight men, heteronormative, and mm. they were hugging each other. And they said, hey, man, I love you. Yeah, man, I love you too. This is an important uh, step in the evolution of the American straight male, right? Absolutely. It's important to express love for one another. You don't have to feel like uh, showing emotions is showing weakness. And just no. watching them hug, I started crying. I will say, I don't like it. I'm, I'm <laughs> just going to go out there and say it. You, you know, like back it? in my day, it was. Uh, I really enjoy your jokes. I enjoy your presence. You know what you get in return for that? A twas in the nuts. It was a twas in the nuts. And that's what I enjoy over a hug and I love you. Because when somebody grasps, grasps their testicles in immense pain, looks at you in the eye and just asks, why? Why did you do that to me? And then you respond, because we're best friends. Ben, preach it, my Midwestern brother. I always will. That is, that is the traditional I love you man. Mm-hmm. Oh, just whapping each other's nuts. Whapping each other in the nuts. There's no need to hug it Nothing out. gay about touching another man's nuts. No, no if you like... whap, you get... In a, loving anger. As, as, <laughs> as, a, as a fly dances upon a burrito at a Mexican restaurant, that is how quick a man has to twaz another man in the nuts. But you, th- you don't think that twazing men in the nuts leads to, uh, historically, men just dying of alcohol? Alcohol poisoning at the age of forty-five. That does happen. Yes. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a hug is better. Now that you bring that up, uh, but I, I'm rendered speechless by her logic. I mean, it's brilliant stuff. Of yeah, course. that's, that's pretty. That's pretty good argument. You have a great uh, hedronormative story, though. And what do you think about the term hedronormative? I mean, we discussed it on the last episode. Of course, we had Ed Larson from the mm-hmm. Roundtable, and of course, Brighter Side uh, as well. Which, by the way, Amber, how do you deal with his smell? Oh, I stink worse, usually. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's, how, that's how you deal with Ed, stink worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I took a shower today, so you guys are fine, but right. usually I just kind of lay in my own filth for a few hours mm-hmm. and then put on a t-shirt and head out in the world. <laughs> well, I'm rock hard. Uh, but we were discussing uh, Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, normative yeah. is now that's a new a fun card. game. 
It was a fun game. You know, yeah, they took they took game. the the one card that the owner of uh, the creator, mm-hmm. the CEO, the main man behind Cards Against Humanity, the only card that he found too offensive after one Midwestern gal protested. Yeah, somebody t- posted uh, a Tumblr uh, complaint. Was about. It, was a card that said a uh, passable transvestite, <laughs> and he and he burnt this card on uh, the internet and said that card will never be allowed in this game that promotes bigotry. Like a Quran, he burned it. <laughs> like a Quran, indeed. Uh, passable transvestite. That was the only uh, problem that he saw. That was the only problem card that he saw in the deck of cards against humanity. Mm-hmm. But heteronormative is now a new uh, is now yeah, a new term that they're uh, using on there. It's a new phrase. Um, no, mine is uh, my story of this is I was recently in Boston, and in Boston they have. In, in Cambridge, in Harvard Yard, they have the only Curious George store ever. Hmm. Curi- the, the monkey who had the man... The monkey with the, the yellow, hat, yellow, with the yellow hat. hat. And uh, my sister wanted to go in it, because I actually never really read those books, but people liked them, apparently. He just sounds like a child molester, Curious He was a child. First <laughs> yeah. of all, why was this guy allowed to have a monkey in the city? We know what happens when you have a gorilla or a monkey. It rips your friend's face off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Curious George, the last... Book. Yeah, the last chapter. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, but um, no, and these these two are uh, very. Uh, let's. I mean, I would describe them as Dropkick Murphy fans. Oh, okay. You know, Boston yeah. guys. Um, going because you know you want you want to call them like white trash, but they're a little too urban for that. Mm. So I don't know another word, but they got that you know have it yad type accent yeah. to them. Yeah. And they're in there, and they were apparently buying a gift for their sister's kid. And uh, he picks it up. He picks up this purple Curious George, and he's like, you know, he'll like this one because it's in one of them cars. But I don't like the fact that it's purple. And, and uh, what was a, the problem with the purple color? Well, here's what he says. He's like, yeah, the purple's a little girly. Huh. The girl behind the counter is obviously like a Harvard PhD student. Right. Goes, you don't have to subject him to heteronormative standards. To which one of these guys turns or goes, what, are you calling him a fucking faggot? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> By definition, she was not. Yeah, and I was I just want to clarify that. And I was I, I, I considered it a clash of civilizations. Yeah, One it really that is. the longer it progressed was going to get worse and worse. Yeah. The only thing the, the only thing ironically that this reminds me of, when I was a child, I had my mother. And she was nice, but she only liked old movies. I watched this movie. It's called The Gods Must Be Crazy. Oh, and, I love uh, it. This great uh, native uh, tribe, they find a Coke bottle, and they have no idea what to make of it, and they have no clue what to do with it, so they end up uh, you know, completely having a religious identity with it. I feel like these two white... I'm going to say dumb shits. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like dumb shits yeah. is the right yeah, word for word. Not to yeah. diss the Dropkick Murphys. I have no yeah. personal... No, they're fine. Their fans are terrible. I like... Uh, they're, you like know. they're like Dan Soder is a joke about sushi. Sushi in and of itself is quite good. Right. The culture that surrounds it, horrible. Yeah. Totally. And, and yeah. Dan Soder, of course, a great comedian uh, reference, and, and Google Dan Soder, and I believe he has a uh, an album out on Netflix coming out very oh, soon. He's a wonderful him. guy. Um, but this, this is what that reminds me of. Just two people going in and just finding something, and they just can't make heads or tails of it. Yeah, just it's a. Per- I don't get it. And oh. she it's couldn't a purple communicate monkey. with them, right? And they were no ability to communicate with her. Yeah. This is the one issue that I have with individuals that speak above, yeah. right? I mean, obviously, I, 
I don't know who I would rather hang out with, the person who's confused by the purple monkey or the woman who doesn't know how to articulate how dumb these people are for being <laughs> yeah. confused by the purple monkey. Yeah. Well, it's important to have both sides clashing. It is important for people to clash all the time because if society was one way or the other, say if it was we were all living under the PhD student, we would all just have a gray jumpsuit and our names would be numbers. If we right. were all living under the Boston guy, then we would just like slap each other in the nuts and like die at 45 from beating our wives or alcohol poisoning. Well, you have no idea how tough she was. Yeah. Yeah. Who? That's the problem. The wife. The wife? Oh, I'm sure she, you know, could take a beating. I was just <laughs> saying, because this, this PhD student really didn't look like she could. No. No. I mean, years of veganism I don't had like ravaged her once masculine frame. <laughs> At some point, you start to learn words so that you can't communicate. Yeah. So that you can no longer have the ability to communicate with the common person who looks at a ridiculously stupid purple monkey in a dumb fucking uh, store, curious mm -hmm. George, George store, George, <laughs> curious George. Yeah. And uh, and so you can no longer communicate with them. So then you can have zero opportunity to befriend them or even remotely yeah. come close to relating to them. Well, this it kind of reminds me of a story back in high school when there was blockbusters. Um, I went and loved picked it. out loved it. I went and picked out this movie. I never heard of it because it was a small town. It was called Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Oh, he great! And now great of course film. it's a musical uh, starring uh, Neil Patrick Harris. And of course it was a musical before. Yep, mm -hmm. it was a it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, has a lot of interesting uh, whatever about it. But so I brought it back for. The the movie night for all of us friends to watch and everybody's like we don't like this queer dancing around in his panties and the, well they were really missing the point but then again yeah. they also got it <laughs> you know they just didn't like it they didn't like it yeah. but now they're all like pretty fat and miserable uh of course in the small town so it's it's good to have a balance in between it yeah. is jim how do you feel about this i had a friend come in uh from wisconsin of course wisconsin passed gay marriage and then immediately took it away michigan what? did the same thing my home state oh okay really yeah. well they actually what happened in michigan was a bunch of people got their licenses then the court granted a stay yeah. of the gay marriage until it could be more suited out in the courts. So it's still undetermined, but you basically had about a three-hour window well, where now you could get married. We got to get on in there. We got we to gotta just check how gaping them butts are. <laughs> yeah, know. pretty much. I mean, it was that, it's is that moronic of a decision. That is insane because gay people tend to have, not all of them, but they tend to have good jobs and give back to the community and look and dress and act in an appropriate manner. Well, I will, I will do everything but the dress in an appropriate manner. Really? I will agree with everything. I, I actually think in a, in a very narrow-minded, stereotypical form, I really don't like their taste. Oh, really? In clothing? No, no I don't. I don't. I, I think it's just kind of gaudy. Mm, bitchy. Ah, yeah, I, I really you. am. I am. Snooty Jim Poke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sassy. <laughs> Saucy stuff. Bring the claws in, sister. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Back in the knife drawer, Mrs. Sharp. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I mean, do we... like that he also chose the gayest right? thing to complain about. Yeah. I just don't like the way yeah, they dress. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the look. I, what is it about the gays that I don't like the most? I just don't like yeah. their apparel. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like their short shorts are just a little too And now I feel you're judging me by very heteronormative standards. Well, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Now, what's a purple monkey? <laughs> I, so my first, I, I wanted to ask, no, what were you going to say? Amber? We can disagree on taste, but you would agree that they contribute to the economy. Oh, I, I think, look it. Sure. Yes. I mean, they could go home and cornhole a cripple kid as long as it's fucking consenting. I don't believe yeah. we should restrict anybody's freedom to do anything. Well, yeah. cripples can't in, consent. Everyone knows that, Joe. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I generally think that, I mean, yeah, I think that they're generally a positive thing for any community. Yeah. Look at any community they've ever moved into. It's it usually better. went from cesspool ghetto to... The place to be. Where there's Thai food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pool. exactly. Um, and of course, like we were discussing, Rick Perry's an obvious, uh, obvious, Very uh, obvious gay fella, you know, and I think gay people do have a larger gay men 
uh, and I consider myself one even though I'm not, uh, but I'm a very emotionally aware person, and they tend to be uh, good feelers, and they tend to be able to uh, weed... Uh, read people very well. Mm. But my friend uh, from uh, Wisconsin, she came to town. And I want to I get your guys' take on this story. And Marcus, you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she So gay marriage is allowed, again, for about three hours in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you, they were the fattest of all the gay couples. <laughs> um, but they went down uh, you know, to the courthouse to get married. My friend, uh, her name is Kara, and she went down there. And uh, she watched them get married, and she said she just cried and cried, and she was so emotional. And I, as a man who has uh, two gay older brothers, and frankly, uh, being gay, homosexuality, it's just just nothing. It just does not matter whatsoever. I found that to be mildly offensive. I found her to be treating them like zoo creatures. But what is your take on that? I mean, why would you go down? You're straight, number one. Mm -hmm. You didn't fight the cause. I hate people co-opting other people's... um, pride other people's uh you know successes in the civil rights game and then pretending as if they had something to do with it and then mm. crying when you see uh the success that these people have fought so hard to uh, to achieve i i agree i mean i really we agree with what i agree with what you said i find it a little offensive myself i find it it's kind of mascotish in my opinion and i find that's a big problem with anybody who is of a minority community. It's, right. I feel I, I actually feel that my example in the Boston Curious George shop is a fine example of the problem with, in my opinion, intellectual liberalism. Because I have no problem with liberalism. I have no problem with intellectualism. But I find that the combination of the two somehow almost just disconnect people from all sense of appropriateness, all sense of mm-hmm. reality, all sense of the very people that they're trying to enlighten and help. I mean, and in order to enlighten somebody, you have to be able to re- uh, relate to them, right? Otherwise, there's pointless. Right. I mean, look at, I mean, you know, how long did the American Union movement flounder when it was just a bunch of Ivy League intellectuals? It wasn't until you actually got Italian and Irish and German organizers going and talking to people about what could happen that it grew as a thing. And I guarantee you, they mm-hmm. didn't walk into these communities of people who are virtually illiterate and say, like, you know... It's not just about organizing as workers. It's about heteronormative standards. Have you read Heigl? Have you no, read no, Marx? No. You know, what yeah. it's all about is if you sign up for the union today, I give you a hammer. If you do not, I hit you with the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> that is what the union's about. And then they say, okay, And of it's course, like, hey, if we all do it, we all get more money. Perfect. I like yeah. money. Yeah. I like money. Yeah. We're going to buy a boat up, up up, in northern Michigan. That's great. <laughs> you know? That's great. Can I get one in the winter? Yeah. Oh, I'll be there in the winter. <laughs> I hear the weather's great there in the winter. I can't wait to have my boat out there. Yeah. No, I think a lot of this stuff. I mean, I think that, that woman is never going to communicate to anybody except for people who already agree with her. But what do you think, what do you think, you think about the mm-hmm. question, though? This is, this, is my, this is my number one issue, and it's tough to articulate, and not enough people articulate it. Uh, well, and it's certainly not represented in any sort of mainstream uh, media or, or conversation. These people, this woman, if you're getting married, Amber, let's mm-hmm. just say you love a gal. Your your mother's a lesbian, isn't she? She is a hard dyke. She, yeah. she, she can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah. You people it, live much more interesting lives than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just prosecute or you just uh, save people's lives yeah, yeah I defend people yeah that's a good that's, no, a, that's I, a very good life I mean her mother my, just my mother should be helping those who've already fucked themselves up yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean if, you know you, so you see these people and yeah. I mean would you go down to the courthouse and watch them get married and cry and, and pretend as if you had something to do with their love or would you be if you are getting married don't you just look at that person and be like get out of my wedding yeah. yeah, I didn't invite you to the wedding. Yeah. Why are you here? It's emotional pornography. It's just uh, let me show you how I feel and just get off on how I feel. A lot of that is also in 
not to change the topic too much, but in church, because I was raised in church a lot. Sure. And a lot of people were, let me clap my hands the loudest. Let me raise my hands the, the largest. Oh, of let course. Let me run up and cry so you can see that I am more spiritual than you. There's nothing more like piety to bring out the absolute worst in people. Yeah, <laughs> the worst. It is the worst. Yeah, if you're truly invested in this couple getting married, you would just sit back and clap and then smile and love what they're doing. Maybe but I'm, you have to know somebody who's getting married at the courthouse before you go there, right? Yeah, yeah. not just show up. I actually would treat their wedding exactly like I treat anybody's wedding. It's a minute I get the invite, start thinking of excuses not to go. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's but just, you always sign up for the veal. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... I. I'm Do about to shell out a fortune on some horrible gift that you don't even really yeah, yeah, yeah. need. Oh, God. I mean, and try to keep be. a straight face when everybody's wearing white and talking about what great people they are. And oh, then... Um, they are, Weddings are nice, though. I, mean, I hate people weddings. Fall, what do you mean you hate weddings? People fall in love. They're very sweet events. First off, I wear a suit every day, so don't make me wear one on a fucking well, then, Saturday. When I, when I get married, Jim, <laughs> when you introduce me, Jim Polk, ladies and gentlemen, he's been quite the lovemaker for Mr. Ben Kissel we were discussing earlier <laughs> uh, in the show. There's a DA here in Brooklyn, mm. and she is looking for me, and uh, Jim's going to introduce me to her. So as soon as I meet her, and I will announce her name when we begin... Courtship, and you uh, get her approval. When I get her approval, her consent. Uh, is then, she a mastodon woman? Is she a megalodon? Well, that would be offensive to me. Uh, <laughs> she's very attractive, I am sure. I've never seen a picture because apparently she doesn't exist on the internet, which makes me believe she doesn't exist at all. But that doesn't matter. Um, when we get married, Jim, you are allowed to wear what you're wearing right now, which is terrible clothes. That's fine. Yeah. Very nice. That's and I, ben, I will fine. treat you just the same. Thank I will you. think of a reason not to go to your wedding, too. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, that's cheaper for me. I don't much mind. Yeah. Fortunately, this is very hypothetical and looks to remain that way for a while. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're about to get married, I'm sure. I, I've already, I've technically, I guess I've already been married. Really? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm domestically partnered. What does that mean? I, I went down to the courthouse with my, my wife, if you it want to call her that. It means he's not romantic. And filled out a form. And now, uh, and now I have the same standard that gay men had until they were allowed to be married. Yeah. So this is why, it's uh, again, yes. But she's so you, a woman. Courthouse is great. You yeah. went out there and, and filled a form out with your girlfriend. Was anybody watching that ceremony crying and clapping as if they've won some civil rights movement of the time? Actually, it's really funny because what happens is, is they, they give you like a number like at the DMV. So it was me and her, and we didn't really make a big scene of it, but there were people who were all dressed up and, yeah. like, you know, dresses and things. And then after you get called up to the window, they ask you, like, they go, you know, do you have your ID on you? Do you, do you have a you know, phone bill to show that you live together or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Something to prove a romantic relationship. And then they go, all right, and they so give you, you another number to go in and actually have your ceremony. So there was lots of people watching and crying, but none of them about me. Mm. None of them gave a shit about me. They were waiting for whoever they were there for's turn. So let me ask you, Jim. Did you guys write your own vows? Uh, we didn't do vows. No, you didn't. No, we raised right hand and say, do you affirm that everything yeah. in this affidavit is the truth? We said yes. They gave us a certificate, and we actually skipped the ceremony. Oh. Dad, we had reservations. I mean, Dad, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to marry a man, but before we get married, I, I want to take a number. <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to pull a number, you know, and treat it like it's a terrible situation that's run by the state. Yeah. <laughs> Queensboro Hall will always have a special place in my heart. It sounds like it's you're where I met my trial. life partner. <laughs> and well, so I married her, I guess. I, you're I, I partnered with her. Yes. And your partnership is no less valid than the uh, short-lived gay relationships uh, that were allowed to get married in the Midwest and Michigan. Although, I mean, this this whole stay is absolutely absurd. And Wisconsin and Michigan, they have to understand. I mean, 
They're just fighting against the clock. I mean, is this windows is this happening? Is yeah. the stay? Is there any sort of time limit on the stay, or they, can they here's, here's, hypothetically do this indefinitely? Here's what happened: the federal judge ruled that they had to start recognizing gay marriage. That under the Supreme Court rules, so within hours, all of the liberal communities in Michigan, like Ann Arbor, Detroit started announcing they would be issuing marriage certificates. Mm -hmm. The people who were appealing this said, well, no, we have a right to an appeal, and the stay should be granted as the appeal, and here's the compelling state interest. And another federal judge said, that's 100% correct, I'm staying. Now, that's an absurd argument, because, you know, a stay of implementing something, you really do need to show a compelling state interest. It's like, say, like... Say like reparations were finally improved, a state could go and say, yeah, we understand we owe everybody 40 acres and a mule, but we don't have that money. Mm -hmm. So can we get a stay until we can find a way to get it or till this is sorted out on appeal? There's nothing like that on gay marriage. They, in my opinion, I read mm -hmm. the brief. There is nothing that can be articulated that is in any way a compelling state interest. It's simply that, and this is my beef with the argument against gay marriage. Most arguments I see both sides of. I see both sides of the abortion debate. I fall on one of them. I see both sides of the death penalty What debate. side do you fall on? I'm pretty pro-choice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pro-choice on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I understand the death penalty. I'm pro that too. I'm against um, the death penalty. But, um, you know, it's, I'm pro, I, I kind of am, but it's a long explanation. But I understand this. The gay marriage debate I don't understand the opposing side of it. I don't think there is a logical argument. The argument seems to be is it creeps you out a little. Yeah. Well, right. too I, fucking bad. Because <laughs> Pat Boone creeps me out a little. But he's well, allowed to release albums. You know, I mean, that's oh, the Pat thing. Pat Boone's got some great songs. And if I'm not yeah. uh, mistaken, I he's think on he's on my mouse pad. There he is, Pat Boone, right that's there. Live at Jonestown. So, of course, he only <laughs> played the best gigs. Uh, that's that's great, Jones Marcus. Town. I don't know what to say to you. Jim Jones. <laughs> and one minute you own like a Bonzo Dog Band record, and that's great. And then at the yeah. other you have Pat Boone on your... You are an enigma, little man. <laughs> oh, he's a bizarre. And he's not that little. He's a dangerously, dangerously sized individual. You look like you've always got a uh, knife on you at all times. No doubt do. about that. What do you think about this statement? Uh, reparations is welfare. Is this? Is this? Is there a truth to that? I know there's a lot of conservatives who believe it, and I, you know, I mean, you have 40 million folks out there on welfare, and uh, you could argue that, you know, well, I mean, the majority goes to uh, whites, mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact. That's because, I uh, mean, we're, like, we're, like many uh, statistics here in the United States, uh, there are, that's because there are more white people. Very smart. <laughs> Very good point. White people are the majority in this country. But this, but this is a uh, this is a uh, common um, statement made by a lot of individuals, uh, mostly on the right. But there is some some truth to it. I mean, what do you think about that, Amber? Is uh, is, is it has it come down to welfare? Is is this the uh, forgive us for our sins social program? The argument is is that, you know, say black people were promised something that was never delivered on, much like Native Americans. Uh -huh. Sure. The argument is now blacks are disproportionately represented as recipients of welfare. Isn't that their reparations? That they're this not is, entitled this is to a, more than yeah. that? That's the conservative argument. Oh, so we're saying we should give reparations. We shouldn't give reparations Because they're gays. already getting it. Oh, gays, I don't know Amber, if they get forget about it. I don't know. But don't Jim, know. what do you think? No. I mean, this, this is a very, uh, it's a very common theme. Well, it, because right it's like because this is my beef with um, with liberal versus conservatism in general. Liberals can't talk in a way that anybody understands, and conservatives can only talk in anecdotes. They can sure. only talk in buzzwords, right. and that's just a fancy buzzword. There's, I mean, if you really want to look at what the definition of a reparation is mm -hmm. versus what welfare is and what it was designed for, no. Simply put, no, they're and not how, the same and at how all. Is, how is it not? Well, okay, because reparations are the idea that is a debt is owed and a debt is repaid. R right. Welfare 
is to take the most economically needy of us and make them no, more no, important I, you participants were, in the economy. Needy, neediness, neediest, mm. neediest yes. of neediest, us. Neediest, yes, yes. Yeah, neediest of us. Yeah, I think mm. I got this now. Um, it's to use, it's to put them on a better economic playing field. The two are philosophically and intellectually completely different concepts. Mm-hmm. So, no. so so one is helping out somebody who is below the barrier mm-hmm. and the other one is uh, you know below the line of let's just say uh let's just say like 40 middle class you know like yeah. below like yeah. you know your standard yeah. level of living and then the other one is uh is a is a uh, is a value added to somebody who is already successful yes that would so like you know magic johnson should still get reparations absolutely under the very definition of what reparations are right. if you believe that reparations should be paid for slavery and you can show a direct lineage to a descendant of a slave it doesn't matter if you're barack obama or right. some guy who lives in the you know Bailey housing projects you should be receiving reparations welfare doesn't and shouldn't work that way no, what do you think about this shouldn't. is that the question earlier should black people get reparations well, I mean, you know, the statement statement was, are they getting reparation, uh, reparations through uh, wel- welfare? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, well, that, I think that would be, yeah. um, if you were to tell a black person that, it, it would sound demeaning. It would sound very... It's an oh, incredibly I mean, racist statement. It's a racist yeah, yeah. statement. It's oh, demeaning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my sister-in-law is black, and she is very Republican, just from the fact of, I don't want you to look at me as a black woman and say, oh, you're a black woman. You must need all of these things. You must need yeah. all of this dole out, this payout. And, oh, but also, you don't really get a say. Uh, you don't really have a voice unless it's under the guise of just black woman and not just a voice of American. Makes sense. Yes. What do you think about racial politics, Jim? What do about them? I feel like there was a fella. Uh, uh, there was a, the the fella in Texas we were discussing earlier who literally he just he had the name of a former congressman who was black, but he was a white fella. He never put his picture on any of the uh, on, was, on any of the flyers. Yeah, and he never said that he was white. Never said that he was black. Wasn't this a, like? It, wasn't this the very plot of the distinguished gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> this was in Houston. There was a guy that I remember uh, he, reading about this. Yes. Yeah, he had the same name as uh, a famous uh, black politician in Houston, uh, but he just sent out flyers that didn't have any uh, pictures of him mm-hmm. on it. And he's this old white guy, mm-hmm. and just using the pictures of himself and the name, or not pictures of himself, just using the name and his platform, he got the majority of the black vote. Really? And of course, you know yeah. you have you have a Thad Cochran out there in New Orleans, mm-hmm. wonderful ground game, great after Katrina, he gets a he gets a large amount of uh, black support considering he's a Republican. I mean, obviously yeah. not the majority of the uh, yeah. of the community, but you know, I mean, these things do matter. Who do you think is more racist when it comes down to voting blacks or whites jim oh i think whites absolutely you think so and i'll tell you exactly why um if you simply do the numbers on electoral politics it very much plays out about this um how is this well black people will vote against their own in which way they will vote against their own you i mean barack obama has a 97 percent approval rating amongst blacks of course you, he you, does. you can't uh argue that his policies has uh ha- 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 but, really but, helped them very but much but paris glenlevin became the um the I believe the mayor of Baltimore, Maryland. He was a white man on a Democratic ticket. Um, Mike yeah. Dugan just won mayor of the city of Detroit, which is a 70% black city, and he's a white man running against two blacks. Mm-hmm. They will vote against their own. White people very rarely vote against their own unless they're voting along party lines. Hmm. Voting against their own race or voting against their own interests? Voting against their own race. Oh. 
I'm, I see. I am. Uh, I'm conflicted about that because I do yeah. believe there's a lot of uh, guilty whites out there when it comes to race. And because you live yeah. in New York City. Well, no. I mean, I Wisconsin. Mean, yeah. Wisconsin again. I mean, uh, Wisconsin's going, also a very progressive liberal state. It relatively really speaking. I mean, I you mean, guys elected the, Senator LaFollette. Like, we seven also times. have Governor yeah. Scott yeah. Walker. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. these are not and uh, Joe McCarthy. But Bobby Jindal is Joe Indian. McCarthy was our pride and uh, pride and joy. <laughs> leave Joe, leave yeah. Joe alone. Joe McCarthy had the greatest suitcase of all time. Yeah. God, I love Joe McCarthy. I mean, of course he was hunting communists and who doesn't want to do that? He treated them like werewolves. <laughs> uh, and it was wonderful. Always and sweaty. Just constantly Constantly. Because he was running around. <laughs> he was always running around. And he had a lot of points to prove. Drank himself to death by 40. Who is this? Joe McCarthy. Jo- Joseph McCarthy. Yeah. And of course, his everyone always wondered what's in the what's in the case, what's in the suitcase, and they they assumed these were documents that were going to prove uh, all the communists. Yes. Prove, everyone's a communist. The names are going to be named. Just a bunch of vodka and porno. Nice. <laughs> it was great. Joseph McCarthy was a great senator and a great uh, example of what it means to just keep it locked up. <laughs> Keep your suitcase locked up and don't let anybody know. It's like the Wizard of Oz. As I'm, soon as they pulled the curtain back, they're like, yeah, you're just a short, fat white dude. Yeah. I'd like to just meant. point out that you just stated to millions of unknown people, well, millions, please. No, let's say, no, multi-millions. Yeah, multi-millions. You know, um, of unknown people, yeah. that Senator Joseph McCarthy was a great yeah. senator, which is exactly what my mother said would happen <laughs> if I ever went on the radio or television. <laughs> He is a great <laughs> senator to the extent that he was terrible, and obviously he deserved it. But no, Wisconsin lose. also gave us Russ Feingold. Wisconsin has a I long Russ- history of progressive politics. I have a great story about Russ Feingold. There was a gal, and I fell in love with her, and she was uh, the Democratic. Uh, it was uh, She was part of the Young Democrats there when I was in college, mm-hmm. and her name was Stephanie, and it was her birthday, and I called up the Russ Feingold uh, campaign. And I said, can you sign a picture of Russ Feingold and say, Ben's a pretty nice guy, and send it over to her? And he did. That, that's that's a good man. And how did she react? She thought it was fake. <laughs> she thought it was all fake. We got into a fight for like five hours, and I was like, it's a real fucking signed picture from Russ Feingold. That's what, I mean, we broke up. So basically, Ben, you got Russ Feingold to be your wingman. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. And he tanked at it. Well, I mean, he did a great job. <laughs> she tanked at it. Real bad. Yeah. Mm. But I'm I but I am interested with that. I actually think that when you're more of a when you're a minority, uh, I feel like they tend to uh you have to vote more in step, don't you? Well, I, I guess but you know the problem with I the reason I think they vote less racist than white people is oftentimes they're forced to. They're more comfortable with the idea. There's oftentimes I mean, let's face it, African Americans have never gotten to vote for a president that was African-American up until Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Right. That's over 200 Well, I mean, they had, they had Jesse Jackson. They had uh, yeah. Alan Keyes. Yeah. He was running there. You know, Alan Keyes is black. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't know it if you no listened idea. to read anything yeah. he wrote. Yeah, but, but, um, yeah, no, Bobby Jindal yeah. is Indian, and he, he is uh, now the Louisiana dude. Well, yeah, he's been the governor for quite a while over there. No, and that's the Republican. This is what I say with the Republican talking an anecdote is that, you know, it's like, oh, wow, we have a real problem that our party in no way identifies with any minorities, so let's go dredge up the closest we can pass off as the typical minority experience and it's pray like show them. ponies. It really is. And, I mean, mm-hmm. the sad part about Bobby Jindal is my favorite, my absolute favorite of Bobby Jindal is when he gave the response of course. to Barack Obama's speech, and he went on to say that Hurricane Katrina was one of the finest examples of a lack of government intervention. I mean, Bobby yeah, Jindal why lo- it works. Bobby yeah. Jindal looks like one of the people in The Little Mermaid that Ursula shrunk. <laughs> I mean, the man looks 
like a, a, a suit doesn't fit him. And, uh, and uh, of course, these, these post-State of the Union addresses are always terrible because you're alone and you're in a room and it's just pathetic and you get thirsty and you have to drink your water yeah. like, uh, uh, what was it, Ted Cruz or who gave the last one? Not Ted Cruz, another fella. Wow. Yeah. Um, During Katrina, all the cars were backed up on the causeway, and Bobby Jindal told everybody to get out and run. <laughs> I actually kind of like that advice. I like that advice, too, because we weren't informed because I was in Katrina, and we yeah. were not informed. Are you from Louisiana? Or? Yeah, from Louisiana. And okay. we always knew the hurricane was bad, but everybody's like, my property, you know? Mm. And we knew that we'd ev- evacuate. Oh, America. Yeah, we'd evacuate, <laughs> and the property would be destroyed, and now we got to live in FEMA trailers for the rest of our lives. And who doesn't want a nice trailer? <laughs> Full of lead paint that and killed kids. Uh, the fellow I was referencing was Marco Rubio. Marco that, Rubio that was the guy who drank all. Who the has water. a name that sounds like a thing? Yeah, Marco Rubio. Yeah, like it sounds like feels, something you have to solve. Yeah, like yeah, it's just like yeah. it's like it's like a slogan or something. Uh-huh. It feels Did like. you enjoy Bobby Jindal, uh, Jindal's response to Katrina? And how was that experience for you? Well, I don't think. I mean, was, obviously not. I'm going to say good, great, and awesome are awesome. not on the list. <laughs> okay. Oh, it was awesome. I'm just joking. He uh, was not. Uh, he wasn't governor I don't believe it was a woman that was governor yeah. and she broke down into tears and didn't know what to do and I was like how did you feel as a woman I, I, I felt ashamed for the woman sex because I don't cry mm. And when I have a job to do and something horrible happens, I hold back my fucking tears and mm-hmm. I do the fucking job. Because especially as a lady, if I cry, I'm just reinforcing the stereotypes that I'm just full of ure- uterus and blood for you to put your emotions in and I have no power. Mm-hmm. But she broke down and cried, didn't know what to do. Mm. Kathleen uh, Blanco. Yep, but Kathleen Blanco. Bl- which is kind of an ironic last name. Let me, introduce a, let, me, let me introduce a discussion topic that's along these Please. lines. I read a book once by a man named Will. William Julius Wilson, I think is his name, uh, who's a black sociologist, I believe, out of the University of Chicago. If I'm wrong at some of these, you can feel free to correct me because you've got the computer. But um, he wrote a book called The Declining Importance of Race. Well, and that's the, a very I, ironic book for a sociologist to write. Well, but, his, I, but his argument in it, his oh, advocacy. The declining significance of race? That may be it, yes. Okay. And is it William Julius Wilson? or yeah, William? It is. Ju- okay, I got oh, that name right. But, ding, um, ding. Um, but what his argument in this book is, is that Affirmative action, or the concept of affirmative action, mm-hmm. should ag- exist, but we should base it on economic lines instead of race and gender lines. Because he feels we're in a generation now that the only definitions of race, as the younger generations, are the ones that are self-created, are the mm-hmm. ones that are given benefits and defined solely along the race. And his mm-hmm. attitude is, is that poverty is a problem that is not based on race or gender, and that maybe we should look at using affirmative action to assist the absolute lowest economic members of our society, regardless of their race. That's I, a very controversial theory, but it's a very interesting theory. So in he doesn't my opinion, believe in, a, in a organized uh, institutional racism? Because I've seen a lot of that. Well, he believes that he believes that, that will actually it, self-correct itself. Amber, how have you if seen you, it? If you do take on the lowest economic standards, right. because unfortunately, because of institutional racism... Oftentimes, minorities are members of the lowest economic class among us. Mm-hmm. Although, as things change, of mm-hmm. course, they are still. Um, uh, but he thinks often, that oftentimes, it- when you have a, uh, a a black person or a group of a minority uh, in these institutions, whether they come from wealth or whether they don't, there's this claim that oh, affirmative action got you there. So this would be one of those yeah. nullifying. 
uh, proposals that would be like, oh. no, it was economics that got me. Uh, you're only to this there state. because you're black, and that's like worse sure. against the race. And of course, is that I what mean, he's yeah. well, he's saying that, and he's also saying that. I mean, the real problem with it is, is you have a larger philosophical problem with affirmative action in that. The idea of it is to make us all equal, but the but the way that it utilizes, the way that it's inherently divides us. Mm-hmm. So yes, he argues exactly what you just summarized, and an, on a broader scale, I mean, I it's only, very counterintuitive to its own philosophy. I yeah. will say the only I reason that. I was accepted into uh, my university was uh, you were a ginger. I have a fire crotch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was actually, uh, yeah. There's, there. You have to have one fire crotch per university, and I showed uh, the chancellor my pubic hair, Show and he said, dance. "Sure enough, that's there was a sign enough. that said you yeah. must be this tall." Yeah, and I passed university. that by, by head and shoulders, yeah. and then of course he's like, "Well, let's see the next test." And uh, I was sexually abused. <laughs> I just want to say, in order for me to get into the university, I was sexually and violently abused, but nonetheless, I did enter. I think that's a great uh, idea. It yeah. should be economically based. What was your uh, experience with institutional racism? I did have in high school, there was a white prom and a black prom. Um, now, this is New Orleans. This is where you were at? Yeah, well, this is uh, Baton Rouge. Baton or, Rouge. No, sorry, Franklin, Tennessee. And what like year was this? This is like uh, not that long ago. <laughs> no, like, I mean, no. It's <laughs> uh, excuse me. 2006? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little bit ago. But so yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, is... Uh, there were white people going to the black prom. There were black people going to the white prom, and we were cool with it. It was whose just, idea was? It was the students. The students approached so the, the idea, principal the, the and the said students, we should have two different proms, and then and they did it. As you were going to uh, school there, did you feel like there was a tension? Do you feel like it was all building up to the prom? I mean, why the the idea of separating proms yeah. is so ridiculously stupid? I mean, you're in math class with these people. Yeah, I know. Right? That's what I want to. I want to separate myself in gym class. That would be good. Yeah. A white gym class and a black gym class, so women can think I'm athletic. <laughs> you know, like that's an idea. But yeah. a prom. I mean, yeah. that's madness. Ben was terrified madness. that when Obama was elected, like the presidential fitness standard was going to go through the roof. Like, oh, no, it went white. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fitting it. I'm yeah. doing great. Yeah. It's tanking miserably. He's a smoker. It's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> As I t- say my Did you go to the white prom or the black prom? I, well, my, my aunt was a principal, so I got into both. And you know what? Oh. They were both fine. What did you like the best? You know what? I I like country music, so mm-hmm. I like the white prom better. See, <laughs> that's, I, and I think that's what it is mostly. I, that's how strongly people feel about music. I yeah. would actually love to see a prom divided on musical tastes. Yeah, yeah. and like, I would love taste. to see like the and punk rock prom, it was a pure the rap musical prom. Taste. Yeah. Yeah. All it is, I think that's all it is. Just yeah. you know, they know music the taste. white kids love country, and they yeah. know you know the black kids are gonna love you know R and B, hip hop, things like yeah. that. So and I love R and B, but I was just like a big country music fan at the time. So that's it. And I deplore. Taste. I, yeah. I really do. And every time I ever go to anything prom-like, wedding-like, dance-like, I have to listen to like tons of rap and R&B. I, I don't like the music. That's well, fine. That's what I've always said about Jim Polk. He's more of a Conway Twitty guy. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. So you would argue that uh, separate proms by musical taste and separate affirmative action by uh, economics. Well, I just, I it's, it's an interesting discussion. No, I, 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 think it's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's right on the point, and I believe this is the major issue of our time. Yeah, I don't know if we should do it, but I know that that's what happened and I do know it happened because the kids I mean, I don't think that you should segregate proms, but I want to make that I don't know, I don't think that should happen, but I do know that the kids above me in the older classes suggested that that's what should happen. And you know what? Sometimes... You don't listen to a 17-year-old. <laughs> if I was a principal in that school, I would say, you know what, we're, we know what we're going to do? 
Yeah. Song for song. Yeah. So we're going to listen to some Kanye and then we're going to listen to a little bit of Skinner and then we're going to go right back to some Jay-Z and then you know what we're going to hear? Some Waylon Jennings. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a bizarre dance, but yeah. we will all be together. And you know what we're going to do together? Be miserable. And when you're miserable, what do you do? You have fun. Yeah. You joke and you laugh and you talk. That's what's so key. Segregating yeah. a prom is absolutely absurd to me. Yeah. And it's such a Southern tradition. It is. And it's very bizarre because all you're doing is creating your white daughter to have a fantasy of the black man that she wants to go to prom with that she can't. Next thing you know, John Waters writing a musical called fucking Hairspray. And uh, you know, and they can't get enough of each right other. Right up until the end. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. All you're doing is yeah. making them I was your, in your camp, right? What's wrong with Hairspray? Hairspray's a great movie. It's a wonderful movie. I love movie. Hairspray. Ricky Lake and Divine. What Don't you bring get Ricky Lake into it. <laughs> bring Divine into it all you want. No, but I mean, this is the thing. You know, I mean, this is a good thing. You know, but of course these proms should be integrated. I mean, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong I mean, with your it, people? Should it be forced? I mean, that's that would be forced. I don't think it should be forced. forced in, yeah. I, it should I just be forced. And we had black people in our in the white person yeah. prom, and I saw white people in the black person prom. The only thing that's bad is whenever you say you can't get in here because of your skin color. Exactly. Yeah. That's bad. But if you have a prom that's like, hey, we know you like. Leonard Skinner, we know you like country, and mm. we know that a lot of people hate that fucking music, mm. and they're not going to dance, and they're not going to have a good time, but I know you're going to have a good time, so let's cater this towards you, yeah. and pretty much, I went to both, and it was like the same refreshments, it was the same dresses, and corsages, everything, it was just the music taste. It's a different DJ. Yeah. Same refreshments, <laughs> right over there. It was not, a, it was, yes, it, they, they didn't get like the bad water fountain. No. That's right. the Black Prom. Same Jim, thing. now you grew up in Michigan. Yes, I did. Was there any racial tension when you were growing up there? Absolutely. And you were sort of a you were a bad kid. Oh, bad kid. I mean, I was I was not the greatest of kids, but uh well, you weren't I a mean, son that I would want to have. Well, probably not. No, I mean, but you know, I actually grew up really interesting, very uh sorry, very early on, um you know, I had a lot of experience in Detroit, Michigan, which is, you know, very predominantly black. And then I moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a college town which right. I would love to say is not predominantly white, but is really predominantly white. And um, no, I think there's quite a bit of racial tension. And ironically, the place that it seemed the most defined was in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. It was almost where I really... What do you mean by that? Well, it was, it, was, it was defined. It was everything was defined upon this almost concept of white guilt is that we're helping people, which... The Who do you think talks about race more? Oh, I, I, White people or black people? I don't know. Because I've never talked people. about race with black people. You never talked about race with black people. I mean, all the black people you've represented, you never talked about race. No, I with really them? don't. I think that's actually a wildly inappropriate conversation for the relationship we have. Because it's just a, it's 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 a green relationship. It's a money relationship. It's a money relationship, yeah. and it's a representation relationship. I don't want them. My their views are my views for the purpose of that relationship by oath, and I don't want anything to compromise their trust of me. And vice versa, because then I can't do my job. So, no, right. I avoid all of those topics. I absolutely avoid all of those topics, and I tell them I don't want any involvement in these. So I don't often talk about it, but I don't know who talks about race more, but I do certainly know that Ann Arbor, with the most well-meaning of concepts, you know, like, you know, oh, let's do this for black people, let's do this for black people. It's mm -hmm. just, it game, um, Rudyard Kipling is what it felt like, you know, the noble savage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, we're going to go out and we're going to help and this. we're going to, well, it's, Rudyard Kipling had the white whole concept burden. of the white man's yeah, burden. Yeah, yeah. And the idea was it's, it's actually a very humanistic burden. 
integrated by a society that was so jarred by racism that you could think. I mean, and for those that don't know, white man's burden is uh, historically the duty, of, the duty of taking care of black people after you've enslaved them and yes, and, and treated yes. them like it's, animals or going into you know this is this was this was like the white people were just like how are we ever going to take care of these people that we murdered and massacred for that was our major burden. Yeah, it's going to yeah. uh, the the so called savages uh, like the the tribal societies right. and saying that oh we must let these people know the right way to live. Yeah, they don't know. And Native Americans, we did, we did yeah. it very much but to them. But read yeah. the literature about it. Read the philosophy of the people that articulated this theory. You were to give them a lie detector. Well, it's bullshit anyway. Um, if, yeah. you were to, if you were to look inside their holes, they truly were doing this with the noblest of intentions. Of course. They yeah. really believed they were helping people. I mean, it looks laughably barbaric to mm -hmm. us in hindsight, but this was really their concept. It's no different from missionary work. It really I mean, isn't. It's it's still going in on today. Way. It's yeah. not. It's no different from a missionary a missionary going over to Africa and telling that Africans that their way of believing is wrong and that Christianity is the one true light. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get and if you don't and you know back in the days when they would go and say like either you know we'll convert you to Christianity or convert you to to a corpse, one of the two. Oh, they would kill them. No, yeah. yeah. Nah, I mean, you know, I'll I'll tell you the one thing about these evangelicals, and I don't want to get on this subject too long. Uh, the only the only place they have power is in these poor countries, and it's very unfortunate because uh, you know you have Uganda passing the anti. Because I'd love for them to have power here in New York City. Oh my god! I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But this is this, these are the places where people still believe in voodoo and Christianity, which is the same goddamn thing. It is. And then of course you have people. Uh, you have places in like Uganda where mm -hmm. they're still, now they they just passed legislation banning gays, and there's all this stuff, and they're literally burning these people at the. Uh, at the stake. Burning. I mean, they're, they're quartering them in the streets. Oh, they're doing everything you possibly I could know, do. I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, if you if you're a historian of torture, that this would be a great place to go to see it. It's the Jurassic Park of human <laughs> rights. Is, yeah, violations. it's the Jurassic Park of uh, of uh, yeah of good violations. medieval uh, torture. We do we do political asylum at my firm, and really, I mean, it's the rising it's the rising claim is torture of homosexuals in Africa and South America. Is it really, it's one of the it's one of the fastest growing. I've seen more in the past couple of years as well, the, as evangelical um, religions start to challenge Catholicism mm -hmm. in um, in uh, South America and as they start to unify traditional tribal differences in Africa. Because they're actually... Here's the thing, what's so shady about it. They're very good at cutting down the violence. And when you've lived in the level of violence that the tribal wars of Africa have brought you, you're willing to tolerate a grotesque amount of human rights violations well, I mean, for peace and stability. They're like ISIS. Every time you behead, you give bread. I mean, that that's a yeah. fact. That's but a fact of that's the fact of any invading army or philosophy. Is that peaceful? Whenever you're uh, looking in people's homes and saying, "Are you a no?" Gay man? By the way, that's it's never not, been said before. Problem every time, I just want to. I just want to point is a out, relative standard. I just want to rub my own shoulders really quick. Uh. Every time you behead, you give bread. No, no one has ever said that before. That was, good. That was pretty <laughs> great, right? <laughs> every time you behead, you make a middle note in my head. Like, oh, that was pretty good, Ben. Bro, I was going to tell you, you later. Thank I'm, you, but I'm I already I got the message. I'm not sure where that slogan's going to be. Like, do put to the most good. No, I'm, I haven't yet to think of a concept. Uh, when, where, yeah. when I write my book, yeah. 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 Write every, yeah. that'll be a chat. Every time you behead, you give bread. I mean, this is how uh, civilizations are built. <laughs> um, but no, but discuss more about the political asylum. So you have people now coming to your firm that are just requesting to get the hell out because they will be murdered if they come out of the closet or absolutely. 
Absolutely. We've had a lot of them. And as I said, the two largest and seem what to do you be do Uganda when you, when you get, and um, Chile. What do you oh. do when you get an email like this? I mean, how do you weigh which people to support? And how do you even begin uh, a uh, judicial process or a, uh, uh, being a lawyer when it comes to somebody who is halfway across the world? Oh, no, they're here. They're here. Because the, the idea of political asylum is they're here and they want the right to stay here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they want the right to stay here because in their home country they would face persecution on account of their race, religion, political opinion, national origin, or membership in a particular social group. Mm-hmm. And is that's that, the statute. So that, is the, that is the ramifications with which we have to work with. Is sexuality uh, included in the statute? People who do not, um, people who are members of a minority sexual orientation that has run afoul of the ruling forces of a country. So like a woman who loves tall redheads. If Very was, minority. If that was per- Very minority. If that was persecuted by the government, by philosophy. Yes, the real oh, problem... Oh, that's just persecuted by me. Yeah. yeah. But no, the, yeah, real, okay. the real problem that you have with these political asylum claims is in places like Chile, there are laws. It's not the government doing this. It's random groups, uh, the evangelical community, so, yeah. that are acting well outside, and the government just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So you have border... I mean, for all intents and purposes, they are. They're malicious. They're super PACs. Mm-hmm. That are funded by these uh, evangelicals, and yeah. this is where the even, and this is why you know again, my parents didn't go to my brother's wedding. Of course, he was uh, married a man. It was oh, the most no. uh, conservative of all the weddings. Uh, it was wonderful, uh, but this is really where they are showing their true colors, and mm-hmm. this is where their um, disgusting display against humanity really gets to be fully shown. Mm-hmm. Is in these poorer countries where these people. Uh, are funded by them, and they and they uh, believe in this ridiculous religion. But, I mean, here's what happens in Chile, which is a country that up until very recently, I mean, last 20, 30 years, was riled with civil war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now, let's, let's remove ourselves. Yeah. Let's remove ourselves, though, from where we sit, from, you know, our level of peace and stability here in the United States. And let's say, uh, Amber, I'm going to pick on you because you're a woman. Sure. Let's say every time you leave your home, you're in danger of being raped by roving militias. Oh, I was born in Saudi Arabia. I get it. Yeah. So, but yeah. then all of a sudden, <laughs> you can't pick on her. This well-funded group of Americans yeah. comes along. They're offering you Bibles, and you come to this church, right? And they actually provide their own security yeah. for the peoples that are a member of your church. Suddenly, you can walk to the market, and you have protection. Suddenly, you can let your children go to school, and you have protection. Sure. And their only thing they require is, is you now have gays. Well, philosophically, we all like to think we're that mentally strong. But right. until we're really in that, until the gun is held to our heads, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us can really look and judge it why it expands. I think it's an appalling philosophy to impose on people. I think it's saying, here, we're going to use the concept of religion, which is about peace and spirituality, mm-hmm. to put forth a brutal political agenda only by making your lives slightly secure. But that's how these things spread. I, just, I, I mean, that's how, that's how everything why, spreads. I don't get why the evangelicals have decided to lead with this. Well, this but, is the, this was the issue they've been trying to pass in America for years, yeah. for decades. But I mean, this is this is such a thing. bizarre thing to be obsessed with. They all are gay. My father <laughs> is gay. He's an evangelical. He said They're it, all yeah. gay. They are yeah. all gay. They they cannot get enough of because they are closeted gays who feel as if they've conquered the demon inside of them. Yeah. That's why they believe it's a choice. <laughs> when in reality, they have put up a wall in their own brains and they should have broken down the wall in their butthole and just allowed themselves to have a good goddamn time. <laughs> and by the way, I believe the number is like, I think it's like something like 60 to 70% of gay people don't actually engage in anal sex. 
No, I mean, there are, of course, there's, <laughs> anal sex there's, there's, there's not, all different kinds of... Yeah, anal sex is Much more that, common in yeah. hetero communities. Than yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work to do. You got to get some lube and a finger yeah. in there. And you got to get the enema beforehand. You got to make sure it's all emptied out. Because otherwise, and sometimes you'll end up with butt juice. You ever ended up with butt juice? No, I never ended up with butt juice. I mean, you know... It'll happen sometimes. Well, I always... We, we can hope, I suppose. I always clean before <laughs> I let the gals do it to me. You know? <laughs> um, what do you think about this immigration situation? I mean, uh, as a lawyer, Jim, me? this okay. is insane. Have you heard about all this stuff with the kids? They're going to these camps. You know, they're, they're the, these uh, parents are sending them through Mexico. Yeah. These children are going alone. And now we have the uh, the kids in the camps. And uh, they're, I mean... And it's oh. not just South American children either. They're starting no, they're all to send, over the world. They're starting to send Chinese uh, children. It's called through. special immigrant juvenile status, uh-huh. and it's. I actually think it's a really good thing. What do you think about it? In my opinion, of course, I want to give them all. Okay, special this, immigrant juvenile yeah. status is if you are under the age of twenty-one, and you have been abandoned by your parent, oh. and you can find not all, both of your parents, even only one parent will qualify you, Ooh. and you have some fear of returning to your home country that doesn't rise to the level of political asylum, that you're just like, you know, gangs in El Salvador threaten you. Yeah, or like a woman in Chile that's going to get raped immediately. Yeah, exactly. There's no Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's things like that. So it's, That's kind of um, sad. You know, it's like you have a fear of returning to your home country. You can petition the court to be declared abandoned, and then you can apply for this immigration status that will allow you status in the United States. But, I mean, these kids can't apply. When they come over here, I mean, these kids are coming over here. They have no documentation. They have no ability to apply for some sort of grant and uh, or some sort of uh, citizenship. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are tr- they're children. They're yeah. nine years old, eight years old. Oh, my God. They come to I me. Mean, and they come to you. They come this, to agencies. This eight, uh, an eight-year-old to... is going to go to you and knock on your door no, and but, ask uh, for no, citizenship. No, but a 19-year-old might. Yeah. A 20-year-old might. Uh, Twenty-year-old. Do you so offer them jobs like handing out the post paper in the morning outside of the subway stop? Do I? Or like, the, does the organization? I, I have no interest have, in whether the no, post. What, gets what do you want, Amber? You want to be selling papers? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's important for somebody coming over to have a sensibility of not only how the economy works in this country, but also have to the mindset of it's good to have a job. It's good Amber. To work. Would you say that kids that come over here should learn English? Yes. You think English is a uh, is a must have in order to be an American citizen? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go to Mexico and not learn their language. What about what about the fact that there's no national language of the United States? Well, the, but this is the, but care. there is a national language though. There is this, this. No, I know yeah, there, there is. isn't, but there is legally there, there is. isn't. No, I know legally there isn't, but but there is, and I don't think there should be. So. No, there should you, be. I will totally disagree with you on this. Amber, you so you're, you're up, if, if I was running for Congress, and let's say yeah. that I may in a couple of years, would you argue Oh, are you, you going to have to cough up to keep everybody in this room quiet? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, like, I'm going to have you as, a, uh, as an attorney to do it all for me. Um, no, but I mean, uh, so you would say if there was a politician out there, let's say a president ran, as a matter of fact, I believe... Uh, uh, maybe W did. As a matter of fact, I think there might have been a Republican, uh, a Democrat who did in the 80s uh, that wanted to make English a uh, the national language. Would you support that? Yeah. National language. Absolutely. So, it is, so no, nothing is in Spanish then? Nothing in, on, no, on no. a ballot is, Here, is not in Spanish? My, or? Here's my, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, point of view, point opinion? Point of view, or the second, the second part of it. Uh, yes, English should be a, second, uh, a first language, but all the kids should learn Spanish. 
They should learn their romance languages. They should learn Arabic. The romance languages? It, they're all is, basically the same. It's all, you just going to re- read a bunch Spanish, of Daniel Steele? No, what do you fun. do? What's a romance language? It's Spanish and Italian. His sweating, and hot head, held mind. Portuguese, Portuguese. And Romanian. Then Romanian. Those are the romance languages. They all Romanian? No, I'm... Same okay, let me... No, Romanian is not the romance. Romanian? What is that? What's wrong with romance? It's not romantic. Type in romance languages and read the five languages. Here is what happens when when you learn a different language as a child. When you are a young, bubbling kid, you have to learn many languages. Not only does it expand your brain. I agree. But it also gets you to learn about other cultures because the way other cultures speak is indicative to how they live. So, okay, Romania is one of them? It's one of them, Well, Google isn't always right. (laughs) It's Wikipedia. There's there's four different kinds of Romanian that works on it. Daco-Romanian, Istro-Romanian. Romanian, Aromanian, and Magleno Romanian. Magleno Romanians does not sound sexy. Deco Romanian sounds anti Italian. Um, very interesting. So you want kids to learn multiple languages, but yeah. you want the national language to, to be, be English. English. Absolutely. And what benefit would that have in the country? Uh, because we all drink Budweiser with a fucking flag on it, and we all <laughs> shoot our guns at the moon. Well, you got to kill the moon. Yeah, you got to kill the moon. Of course. <laughs> but Jim, why don't you believe a national language is important? I actually really, I mean, this is where, I've often been asked this what I This is a very liberal point of view uh, that you have, by well, the way. Well, I consider very libertarian point of view. I really think that we should allow as minimal government intrusion into what occurs in our daily life as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think declaring things like national languages or or national curricula, national this, national that, what about what about are the very bond, dangerous? What about the bonding effect that it could have in a society, though? You I know mean, what about what about getting together, getting together as a people, and be like, we have the national language, we have the national song, we have the national flag. Everything is national except yeah. for the language. Okay, but then why would that be English? There were, so there was, what, what, what there were civilizations flourishing for thousands of years on this continent long before us. So, so should we all speak Ojibwe? No, it was I mean, the fucking dudes that came over on a ship and put a flag yeah. down on the ground. and the, uh, Well, they were speaking some different It should be kind of. English because English won, Jim. Yeah, English I mean, that's won. that's the idea of the English is, okay, so now mm. we should all speak the language of conquest. Which opens yourself to a whole new philosophy on things. I just think I do like the idea of a jib wave, by the way. <laughs> it's like I mean, it's uh, this is my I'm beef chief with this sort running of thing. Gummy and bear. Moreover, I guess my attitude is is. <laughs> by the way, can I just say chief running gummy bear? Uh, yes, I, <laughs> fat. I'm a fat guy. <laughs> you're really not that. I fat. know. I feel fat though. I have a, I have a weight complex. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I you imagine you weigh it because you're like a hundred feet tall. We're not going to talk about it, Jim. No, you were saying a relevant point. And the, aud- the audience was like, "Shut up, Ben. Why are you interrupting, Jim?" And I'm sorry, audience. Because a national Jim. language also to me implies national values. Mm-hmm. Bonding effects imply national values. Right. And I don't believe in national values. What? I don't believe Uh-oh. in national values in the slightest. You don't believe in national values. Amber, why do you believe no, in national values? Because you should be proud to be a motherfucking American. Because American should why? stand... America stands for the fact of freedom of thought, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of choosing your own small business but I, to raise I, I, that I business. believe that you guys are making... This is why I think America is so great. Because you guys are making the same exact point, right? Because same he's saying point. that, the, the, you know, America... America is freedom of language. Yeah, but our language, uh, the most language should be English, but you should be taught other languages in I school. Agree. More European, just, yeah. Yeah, just as a secondary because it is a one world thing, but also yeah. America is the fucking best and we should raise our guns to the moon, shoot it up again. So you want to sort of, you want to <laughs> speak like English, but you want to treat like, you want to... <laughs> 
you want Americans to speak English but celebrate like Iraqis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yes. Well, or Congolese defense forces. There's a yeah. lot of armies. That yeah, I'm reminded like of something that you said a while back, Ben, is that uh, America isn't the best country, but it's definitely my favorite. No, oh, it's, it's the best favorite. country. Yeah. What do you mean it's not the best country? Well, there's a lot of... Uh, I then don't, get I don't, out of here. Get out of America if you don't think it's the best. I don't have a visa. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't get have a passport. Get the fuck out. Get a visa I, I and go wherever the fuck us. you want. Yeah, exactly. Nobody <laughs> wants us. I mean, Americans uh, are the rejects of the world. Oh, my God. Let's go back to Saudi. Because I was raised a Christian in Saudi, and they we had to cover our Bibles and newspaper and hide them in case there was a raid that would happen by chance. You know what I would do? I'm what? not sure comparing... Not have the Bible. I yeah. would just... American would not Saudi Arabia is using the two sole points of comparison as being really know. the best standard with it which we the entire this is, world. This is a comparison, a comparison, though, and it's certainly... Uh, you cannot argue there are, there are not uh, two greater... Yeah. Yings and yangs uh, than the Middle East. And they America. would carry out public executions and make people watch. I mean, they didn't have direct TV. No, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a this is a society of boredom. <laughs> this is this is why all executions began. Yeah, was out of sheer boredom. It was the one. It was the great thing to do that month. It was the great. And it was honestly, the only thing you could watch. If I can chant. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, yeah. we do a lot of macabre stuff on our podcast. Of course, the last podcast on the left. And certainly Roundtable touches on some uh, rather uh, disgusting things. And for all intents and purposes, we're just getting our public hangings and beatings on the Internet. Yeah. I, w- I would not be surprised if we were around in the 1400s. You and I would be there we- hosting the goddamn thing. <laughs> Yeah, Eddie would be the executioner, mm-hmm. of course, from the round table. The, and the brighter you'd be the side. MC, and I'd be the guy that made sure all the. But let me ask you, I'd be like, Marcus, is he guilty? Mm, yeah, the facts say no. Let's hang him. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Uh, let me ask you this, Jim. What's the solution? What would be one of these solutions that you have with all these goddamn kids over here? I mean, they're wonderful people. They're they're children, mm-hmm. and I believe first generation immigrants like my father. Uh, they are the. The hardest working people in America. And obviously now we have an influx of... I have not known in my career, which does span into both human rights, nonprofit, and private, I have not known this community that I hear about of like these people who come over here and take our welfare and our jobs. I've never right. met this community. You know, I really have welfare, not. You yeah. have to be registered as a citizen. Right. I actually think that my, my assumption is by the impact they make on the economy, and I've heard numbers about this. I can't cite them. I don't know how good those studies are, so, you know, I don't want to get all those goddamn emails. But, um, you know, it's my attitude is my hunches, just from what I see, I, my imagine their impact on the economy is far more positive than they take from it. Right. That's just my absolute guess. So I don't know where this immigrant is. And to me, every time I hear these problems of vast waves of immigrants, whether they're children or Mexicans or prior to that, it was Jews and Italians and then Polish and then the Irish at one point were Mm -hmm. a disgusting mongrel race. It always strikes me as little more than hysteria. And this is where my libertarian values come in. Economies take care of things. If these people were really tanking our economy, our quality of life would not be at the standard it was, and they wouldn't all be coming here. Right. That's my attitude. This is where you claim, you know, the the, the conservative people who are very opposed to immigration, they claim that they're very anti-big government, they're Mm anti-this, and that the economy should dictate things. Well, I say step back and let it. Let's see if it's really true. And it doesn't seem to be because I feel like we have lived with one massive wave of immigration through our entire history mm-hmm. that was going to be the downfall of our society. And our society has grown stronger and more economically because prosperous every single one. Yeah. If the and Irish so that, wouldn't have come, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, yeah. And of me course, neither. Every generation. <laughs> 
becomes lazier and lazier than the next. So the first generation is always the best. And it's always called the mongrel race of people that mm-hmm. you utilize to build your homes, to watch your children, to care for your elderly as they're sick. It's like these disgusting heathen immigrants who come in. But, you know, my nanny's Hispanic. My, you know, the, the no, home health aides are got, all Jamaican. That, everybody's you know I mean? got their right. good one. Yeah, they you got know, their like good that, one. That's how it always goes. Is that, Everyone's got their good one. Yeah, he's one of the good ones. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. all, those, all those Mexicans out there, they're terrible and lazy, except for Julio. He's one of the good yeah, ones. Yeah, the only <laughs> one that you know. Yeah, yeah the only is, one that you, you know. know. Rosita, and, who watches every, my son and who absolutely yeah. loves her. Yeah, but you know, everybody, but and that's course. the that's the terrible, that's the amazing thing about it, is that yeah. everybody's got their good one. And ones. then the other one they all love to say is like, well, I just don't think our borders should be wide open. I think that, you know, it should be like it was when my grandparents came. Well, hey. Wake up to whoever's listening. You know what it took for your grandparents to get in this country? $25 in their pocket and not having cholera. Mm -hmm. That was it. There were no regulations. Now we are possibly, second only to Canada, the most difficult country to emigrate to. It is extremely hard to become a legal citizen or even a legal resident of this country. What would you say? Why is it that the Republicans are so, the right-wing people are so much more against the immigration people than the Democrats, although Obama has uh, kicked more uh, immigrants, illegal immigrants out of the country than any president in history? That's an interesting phenomenon of Obama's. Hmm. It really seems like it's almost him stealing an issue from the Republicans, which has been a tradition. But he's not benefiting from it. Nobody knows that he's done it. It's under the radar. And yeah. he's, he's, he feels guilty about it. Someone it's should like, leak it to the Republicans and then he gets more votes the next oh, time they he goes around. They all know it. I mean, Obama and it's immigration. Obama and immigration reminds me of every time I'm about to look at porn and I put my browser on private. And I pretend like the next person who grabs my MacBook isn't going to go through my history. And I feel like it's going to be my little secret. Mm -hmm. But in reality, everybody knows Sasha Gray's amazing. She's the best. Uh. That's Obama's immigration policy. He's putting his little program on private, pretending like nobody's going to know. But yet he's deporting millions and millions of people every day. Yeah. There are thousands. And I mean, let's just put it this way. I mean... What my understanding of it is, is more of an insider, is he's actually expedited what were a lot of the statistics are expedited previous removal orders. Because once somebody's ordered removed, it's the first thing they do. They linger in detention facilities. Well, court right. hearings after court hearings after court hearings provide. Under the Bush administration, you could get, there's, it goes master calendar, then merits hearings. Merits hearings are the actual hearing where you decide. Under the Bush administration, when I first started doing this, you could get six, seven master calendar hearings before you got to your merits hearing, and you could try to work and negotiate things out. Under the Obama regime, it's been one master on for a merits hearing, two court dates, That's one it. and done, and you have to be prepared, or you better work it out right quick. And Why do you think this. that is? Because again, he's not benefiting politically from it. Nobody knows. Like they, He is not he's actually that left. But he's benefiting very economically from it. Yeah, It really... Those detention facilities where Mm -hmm. these immigrants are held get paid out by the federal government at a price of $70 per day per head in them. Let me throw this out here. If you get them out, say say somebody goes in in May and they're being deported by September, that's much better than they go in in May and they get deported May two and a half years from there. That's saving a small fortune. I mean, they're in these detention centers. Isn't this essentially prison? It's they're often the detention centers are in jail. The two big ones around, the three big ones around here are the Hudson County Jail in New Jersey, the Bergen County Detention Center in New Jersey, and the Essex County Detention Center. Where if and you were being are only- held on bail, you would be at those places too. 
So it's for people on bail and then illegal immigrants. But they don't get the right to counsel like, like, um, you know, somebody accused of a crime would be because it's not considered punishment. It's an administrative detention. It's not punishing you for anything. It's probably better than their own countries. If they're coming from like a civil I don't war know. community I'd rather run and around going in Ecuador. to an American prison, that's probably oh, think, way better. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Amer- uh, an American prison is about hell on earth, right? That's, I would I would I would say look at this is this is my biggest this is my biggest beef with this so-called concept of American compassion and their values. It's like you mentioned public executions. Well, it's absolutely egregious to behead somebody in public. It's absolutely egregious to hang somebody in public in full yeah. view. But it's perfectly okay to house them in brutal conditions, overcrowded, without basic human amenities, deploying them even the very concept of social interaction in places like Supermax for the remainder of their lives. That's perfectly acceptable under American caption. Just don't kill them publicly. But they're offered <laughs> well, meals. I mean, but Are they offered food? Are they offered meals? Are they offered I mean, it's not good water? food. It's, it's toenail They're food. offered food. And in their yeah, own country, they would not be offered food. I don't they care if it's good, good food or not. I will say I this. don't care if it's good food or not. In their country, they would not be offered food. The Here, one get a thing, fucking hot meal. I'm sorry you can't go roam around on the streets. It might not be hot. Uh, I, I will say care. the one thing about uh, you know uh, you know a lot of these uh, folks who are coming from um, Central America and Mexico, great meals. Yeah. They had great meals. Some of the best food in the history of the planet has been created in these areas. So yeah, I don't, great. I think they come to America and they're very upset with our. Uh, Can they get beans. a meal anytime in their state? Can they get a meal yeah, anytime? A lot of them. The question is the major question though is the question is. And I want to ask Amber, and I want to ask you, Jim, and I want to ask you, Marcus, are they breaking a rule? Are these people criminals? These children, are they criminals in America that need, are they in, are they, are they, are they about to take over a town like the Purge too? No. I mean, what is... No, I don't think they are, and they should be offered something a little bit better than prisons. I will say that. They Absolutely. Should be, yeah. They should be offered like a housing complex. They should be offered a place where they... What if they're not offered ooh, anything like except for... camp. What if... <laughs> or a camp. What if they're offered the right to a job? The right to a job is great, but yeah. you got to prove yourself to that job. Absolutely. Yeah, but they're, they're, I mean, they're going to. They got here. Yeah. It's very sure. difficult for sure. a nine-year-old to get here. Yeah. What extremely. do you think, Jim? I mean, my attitude is this is the great question because legally, no. Legally, they have committed no crime. Except and then, for but crossing me, the border is technically illegal. Were, and there's yeah. so many people who think it should be a crime, completely ignoring the bureaucratic disaster that would become. Right. Completely ignoring, like, okay, now they've all committed a crime. Now you're housing them in jails. Now every one of them gets a court-appointed lawyer. Every one of them gets a fair hearing under our very concept of an American judicial system. Every single one of them. I almost wish they would consider it a crime so that these people could, the ones that do have meritorious claims, and the dues, those people would be filtered out through a system that is far more fair. Because immigration yeah. court, I should take you guys there one day as observers. Mm-hmm. All of you. Well, top hat will go. Marcus you and, and I, will I go would with be you. Yeah. shocked at what you see. Really? Some guy is ushered in in prison greens. He's marched up to a microphone. They call a translator on the phone. Half the time, the judge is on a TV and what, screen. And what, what does the translator, what's the language of the translator? It depends on whatever translate. the person speaks. Yeah. Right. But mostly Spanish or Mandarin? Uh, I mean, or? In, in New York, it's mostly Mandarin and Spanish. Okay. But, I mean, you see all in New York. I mean, I've yeah. seen Tagalog. I've seen... A Tagalog? Yeah. What's that? Philippines. Philippines. Oh, wow. tag- I had no idea it was I've called Tagalog. Urdu. I've seen all sorts of things. I mean, and it's... 
And they march up. And this immigrant who has no concept of the justice system at all, who has never met with a lawyer, has no concept of political asylum laws, terrified, is berated by a judge about things. And he's sitting there staggering. He's ordered deported or he's ordered another hearing and whisked back to a jail. So that's the only that's the only two options is either deported or next year. Stay here. Jim, what is... Or stay here. Okay, Do so, they actually sometimes rule they can stay here? Yeah, I mean, the one one thing that's very common that, that, that lawyers will get, but people without lawyers won't, is there's a thing called prosecutorial discretion where the prosecutors are like, look, this is basically a good person. He's been a hardworking guy. His kids are citizens. Fucking, I'm just closing this case, letting him out and letting so him go. So if you are an immigrant and you come to this country and you do uh, manage... Uh, I know uh, CNN is doing a new, do- uh, new documentary about a, a journalist who is uh, undocumented, but of course he's been here working for years. This is going to be in your best interest. So I, the the irony of it all is come over here, raise a family, create a life for yourself, and then you're going to be able to possibly become a citizen because you no, are so no, illegal. No, 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 no. Prosecutorial discretion is in no way makes you a citizen. It doesn't even make you legal. It so just what says, do you have to do to We're not putting you in jail. What you have to do, you have to basically marry a citizen, be an alien with an extraordinary skill. Yeah. Um, have political asylum that you're so terrified. I mean, there's very... The road to citizenship is an extremely narrow road. No, it's very difficult. It's incredibly yeah. difficult to get to. And it's not only can you get away with just marrying an American citizen, you then have to go and prove to them on a very high standard of proof that your marriage is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. And, you know, yeah. you ha- she has to be uh, kind to you when you can't be totally unattractive. Um, <laughs> That's the major key. Jim, I love having you here oh, so much. And thank you here. so much for talking about that. Amber Nelson as well. Thank you for being here, Amber. Uh, we got to wrap it up, mm-hmm. but we'll have Jim back. Of course. We and will. we're going to have Jim back, and we're going to talk to this fellow. This, uh, what's his name? This cop. Eric Reynolds. Eric Reynolds. And I know him from comedy, and he, uh, and he believes that the... Uh, Central Park Five are guilty. So we're well, he was the arresting officer. He for was the Central and Park Five, and yeah. he believes that they are guilty, and that this was a huge uh, mischar- miscarriage of justice. This oh. huge payoff that they just got. That's Amber Smelson on Twitter. That's Marcus Parkus on Twitter, and I am Ben Kissel on Twitter. And we will talk to you soon.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 